Yeah, it was always quite a, a surprise um, when we came back on missionary um, furlough back to the UK and my, my quite posh mother um, and my fairly posh dad would suddenly, you know, we'd, we'd been met at Southampton because in the old days we used to come over on the boat. We'd been met at Southampton and it used to, I mean, for a child, I just used to die of embarrassment because the whole Salvation Army band would be there and red carpet and flags waving and you'd be sort of marched off and then we'd be brought to London and my parents and everyone would have medicals and everyone was all very polite. We'd hit them four because they used to give us the missionaries a car for three or four months and we'd hit the, the road north and we'd arrive in Stockport and my mom and dad suddenly became people I did not know. <laughs> the language changed, the accents changed. Um, you know, my mother would never allow things like chip booties at home because she would just say, you know, that's very common, very common. Um, <laughs> and suddenly we get to Stockport and that's all we'd eat for a week, you know, our sloppy, hot, horrible chips and oh, it, it, tremendous fun. Um, to see this sort of, my dad and especially and my mom, you know, going back to their roots per se, um, was tremendous fun. And yeah, I mean, um, most of my family come from the north, so I actually laughed quite a bit when I was given this particular title. At least I've got the topic right, have I, Sam? I've done so well. I actually went on the website last night to check because <laughs> the last time we'd lost Jesus. Um, up the mountain in the Himalayas. But so where would Jesus be? There are no prizes today, but where has he been so far? Where have we seen Jesus so far? On the beach, up the mountains, desert, Galilee, where? At parties. No, we haven't done that yet, have we? Okay, parties. <laughs> Yeah, so Jesus gets around. Um, he gets around when he starts his ministry. But today is up north. And so the rest of the title in that is with foreigners. Okay, and I've got the dongle. So here we go. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you that in this journey we've had with you, you've become so real, so human. And I just want to ask now that as we think about your word, as we think about your journey up north, Holy Spirit, that you would release revelation, that you would minister to us as we journey with you. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Right, so, where's the machine? It's not going to work. There we go. So, yes, Jesus had been ministering predominantly in Israel. Okay, He had been ministering predominantly to the Jews, the Israelites, the Hebrews. And it doesn't really explain in the story which is found in Matthew 15 and in Mark 7 
It doesn't say why he went north. It doesn't really give an indication as, as to where he'd been physically just before going north. But it tells us, then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So that we don't really know why he went. Perhaps Mark's version gives a hint. He wanted privacy. And I'm sort of going to switch between the two versions because the story, the engagement between Jesus and the key player in the story is the same in both versions. Yeah? So I'm going to sort of switch between the two. Um, so Sidon is 50 miles northeast of Capernaum. It's actually in modern-day Lebanon and Syria. Is that, is that map sort of clear? So I think in our mind's eye, especially with Syria being so much in the news, I think we sort of get a picture in our mind's eye as to where Jesus had gone to. If we think of the pictures we've seen, we can sort of picture what people looked like, how they dressed. But these were two ancient cities. They'd been around a long, long time. They were port cities. The the Bible doesn't say exactly which city. It just says in the region of. So perhaps, as we see in Mark, he wanted privacy. He perhaps wanted a break. (laughs) He had been followed everywhere that he went. Massive crowds. He'd been ministering to thousands of people. He'd started his ministry. His best friend and the sort of last prophet, um, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. Um, He'd called his disciples to him. You know, I don't know if any of you have ever sort of been at a start-up of a project or starting something new. It's exhausting. And Jesus was man as well as God. He was human as well as supernatural. So perhaps he'd gone for a seaside break up north. In terms of scripture, this is the furthest that Jesus travels that we have recorded knowledge of. Um, He'd never been that north before. And most of his sort of ministry had been around Galilee at this point. So he shoots off, he goes up north, and as I say, in Mark, it says he went into a house and he wanted to be left alone. He wanted privacy. I was really quite fascinated. I mean, people now love the Old Testament. But actually, there's so much in the Old Testament about this area, which I found fascinating. And I'd just like to share that with you. First of all, this area is mentioned because it was the one area that the Hebrews, Israelites, did not conquer when they were walked into the, when they went into the Promised Land. Okay, so they'd been in the desert, crossed the river, and this was an area that had never been conquered. But it's also mentioned that materials and, in fact, furnishings for the building of the temple in Solomon's time, had actually come from this region. Equally, 
in Ezra's time, so that initial temple had been destroyed, people had been dispersed, um, the temple is now going to be rebuilt in Ezra's time, and actually it's mentioned that the people from Tyre and Sidon had participated, had helped in the building of the new temple. I mean, obviously my favorite story from this particular region in the Old Testament is about the woman who took care of Elijah, the story of the oil and the flour that never ran out. And then obviously the widow, um, she was a widow, her son became ill, he died, Elijah laid on him and he was risen from the dead. I just think that's, I love that story. (laughs) And I often go back to that story um, as a woman about the flour and the oil. For me, that, it has a lot of personal resonance. So it's obvious that this was an area that was known. There'd been a lot of engagement between Israel, the Hebrews, and the Phoenicians, the Syrophoenicians. So it would not be, for me, unnatural for Jesus to go and visit there. Yeah? There's a lot of exchange. I mean, I don't know. This is just my imagination that... There was a lot there in this region. So the actual scripture is here. And this is the one from Matthew. And I'm just going to read it to you. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan, in the Mark, in the Mark version it says, a Greek, which essentially means she is Gentile. And in Mark, it explains that she was a woman from the region. So she was Syrophoenician. Came from that region and cried out to him, that's Jesus saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her, not a word. He ignored her. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he, Jesus, answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This passage throws up some serious feminist concerns. (laughs) Um, And I'm not going to address them. And, And there's sort of a fair amount of, you know, when you're just reading something on the surface that Jesus calls this, reflects, number one, he ignores her, and then secondly, says, you're a dog. 
and all you really need, and perhaps there are some you know, faith groups that have taken that seriously, and marginalized women, but that's just me. That's not revelation. <laughs> um, so there's some serious issues and concerns in this dialogue. But what I found really interesting was the dialogue. We see this with Jesus at the woman of the well, this dialogue, this discussion with her, perhaps explaining things to her. And yes, what this actually means is Jesus is saying, I haven't come for you, the Gentiles. I have come as the Messiah. I am the bread of life. I have come for the Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jews to set them free. I am the Messiah. I'm the full loaf. And my attention is actually here with the Israelites, the Hebrews. That's actually what he's saying to her. What I'd like you to do just for a couple of minutes in twos or threes, if you don't know the people next to you, just introduce yourself. If you're new, please don't. No one's going to do anything. But if you could just, amongst yourselves in your little groups, just have a quick discussion. What would you say is the headline message of the scripture? The headline message. What is this telling us? The story of Jesus and this woman and the disciples in this story. Three, four minutes. Just chat. What are the headline things that you think this is about? Right, can we, we start to have some ideas? <clears throat> okay, I'm actually going to pick on, on groups. I'm going to start over here. Any ideas? What would your headline message be? If you were preaching today, what would your headline message be in this? No, what we said, what we said is that he drew out her faith. And that within the context of that time, the language he used was quite quite socially, so culturally normal, yeah. right? But he, he, he didn't drive her away as you'd expect. Not yeah. In those days, the Jews would not fraternize with a woman like, with like, like that. But he, he drew her faith out and he gave, her what she, he gave her what she asked for. Absolutely. So at the back here, through the dialogue, he actually drew out her faith. He drew it out, okay? Um, he drew out her faith by that dialogue. Any other takers here on what you... Yeah, we had the same idea, basically, so her faith was proven, would yeah. be the title. Yeah. Okay, so title, The Faith is Proven. Uh, we, we were just reiterating what Jesus has said, really, just he, he is saying, really, I will save, the whole world will be saved by the salvation of the Jews. So it starts with the Jews, and then from that, his plan will be spread out. Yes. Anyone else got the three that we've had so far? New ideas? You're about to dive embarrassing. Um, when the lady says, my daughter is severely dim and possessed, and then after that, the disciples say, can you just send her away? Because keep, she keeps carping on. And so... What I got from that was that the church can sometimes 
not like messy people. And messy people can be very, they can go on about things and they can be quite difficult and it's easier for them to just not be part of the church. Yes, yes. That's very true, I think. I mean, there's no right and wrong to this. Femi, there's no right and wrong to this. Uh, persistent by refusing to go, that I must have my blessing today. Yes. And that's what convinced Jesus Christ. There we go. Okay, she was persistent. We thought the son would have said, Jesus calls the Syrians dogs. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, we said open all hours that Jesus was there for everybody, but he was doing a definition of his ministry. But it's a hard passage to understand why he could be so rude. Yep, yep. Uh, people, people often think I'm rude, but um, just be like Jesus, Dave. Um, now, well, we, we, Debbie made a point about, um, about, this, about the faith. I said that Jesus probably didn't respond to her need as such, but it responded to her faith. And we also thought that um, when he says about calling him dogs, he didn't actually call her women. He was talking about a Gentile. He didn't say calling the woman herself a dog. He was just saying oh, that he came to the Gentiles, yes. to Israel, Israel first, and then the Gentiles afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so very similar. Any other takers, anything that has not been covered, that you feel, and there's no right and wrong in this, okay? There's, yep. Uh, we, we did have mostly the faith um, answer, but she, she doesn't, well, she, Bruce said she doesn't get discouraged and she keeps on, but it's with humility. Because she she knows she doesn't deserve necessarily his grace, but she just keeps going, but not in a kind of way. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> Anything new that has not been covered as yet? Me, me. There we go. <coughs> um, I was just thinking. Uh, when Jesus often he like quotes from the Old Testament and things like that to get the Jews to un- to know who he is, and I'm thinking he's almost I think like he's speaking to um, the Israelites, like I am the Messiah, basically saying that I came for the Jews, and also in that um, yeah, it's like um, he gets the Jews to understand who he is. Very much so. You see, what I believe as we do this, often when, when we preach, um, at the end, people say, oh, that, that's, this, this spoke to me, and I'm like, I didn't say that. Or when we open up a passage, and again, people respond for prayer, or they send me an email, or you know, whoever it is that's been preaching, and I've often wondered how God does that. <laughs> That through opening his scriptures, through opening his word, he feeds our spirit in ways that we actually can't imagine. 
okay? So and there's no trickery in this, but I just wanted to bring this exercise to you because this woman, yes, she was drawn out. Her faith was drawn out. She was drawn out. But she had revelation in her spirit as to who this man was and is. She had that revelation in her spirit. She must have heard about Jesus. She, had, she must have. Why would she have come? Throwing herself in humility. Prepared to take those scraps of Jesus' anointing. And I love opening the scriptures. I had about five pages of notes as I, as I read through this. Saying, well, Lord, what is it you want to say? What is it that happened here? And this is just a little technique of opening the scriptures. What does it say to me, the individual? What is Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit, teaching me through this? Okay? And you can see we had many different revelations as to what this is. But this woman was responding to that revelation in her spirit that this man could deliver, heal her daughter, that he had the power to do it. She knew that. That is revelation. As you have spoken today, this is revelation. The Holy Spirit opening the scriptures to you to say, what is it you need at my table today? These are some of the things I came up with, the headline message. Yes, about faith, about drawing out that faith, a woman throwing herself on the mercy of a man she'd never met to say, please help me, help me. It is about deliverance, which we would need a month of Sundays to talk about deliverance, about a body being set free from those things that oppress the mind and the body and indeed the spirit. A month of Sundays talking about deliverance, exorcism, if you want to call it that, but deliverance is the positive, I think. We could have a month of Sundays on talking about healing that was released. Healing that was released across boundaries. That young girl was not in the room. The daughter was not in the room with Jesus. But that woman's faith knew that Jesus could do it. And she was not going to let go until it happened. And then, fourthly, what came to me was breakthrough. She got her blessing. She got her breakthrough. Even though she'd been told to push off. Even though she had been ignored. She stood. Perhaps she was on her knees. But she got her breakthrough. 
And those were the four headline messages that were laid on my spirit. But every one that has been shared today equally is a headline message to be able to take that bread and eat on it and to be filled through the bread of life. And this then is what the Lord laid on my spirit for today. That headline for me and what I believe for the church, us as a fellowship, perhaps the wider church, for us today, no crumbs for us. We have the full loaf. We have the full loaf. And in fact, I would go as far as to say <coughs> that in the spiritual realm, we are standing right in the bakery. How many of you, when you go to perhaps Tesco's or Lidl's or the bakery and you're looking for a loaf of bread, do you feel that if it's warm? How many? Thank you. Hallelujah. Your senses are alive. How many of you, when you perhaps walk near the bakery section, anyone? You make your, oh, oh, give the sister a hand. <laughs> We're coming to visit in a bread maker. Doesn't have to be qualified. You see in the spiritual realm, this is where we are. We are in that bakery. We have this full loaf. We have this aroma that is drawing us in. That spiritually, we need to start salivating. When you get your loaf of bread, what do you think of? That warm loaf of bread. Lashings of butter. Yeah. Perhaps your favorite preserve. Bit of pate. You see, in the spiritual realm, Jesus is saying, come sit, come dine at my table. We have the full loaf. And we have in the spiritual realm that aroma. And what does that do? That is actually the promise that there is bread. Am I making sense here? Yeah? Because when you get that waft, you know what's ahead. You know it's bread. But often, as we're trying to break into that bakery, there is resistance. There is resistance. And we see it here. The disciples say, go away. You're a nuisance. You're bothersome. Go away. The man wants to rest. And this resistance can be outward. Somebody mentioned it. It can be that sometimes the church does not like messy people. They make us uncomfortable. They challenge what our preconceived ideas are. But they're out there. Jesus loves them. He healed that woman, that woman's child. Who are we to say, you don't belong? You don't belong. 
but there's this resistance sometimes. It can be spiritual, where you feel as if you're facing a, a black hole, a closed door. And it's by saying, no, I have access to the table. I have access. And I will stand here until I can have my loaf. Sometimes it is religious, sometimes it is academic, where we know something and God challenges that. And sometimes our own resistance says, no, I'm not going to go there. I don't believe that. Or that can't happen, Lord. How could you say that ISIS soldier who beheaded people? How can he or she be sitting at the same table as me? Okay, so sometimes our own ideas, our own learning can hold us back, can be a form of resistance. But what we see from this woman, she's not having it. She's saying, I don't care what you throw at me, but I'm going to speak to that man and my daughter will be healed today. The persistence in asking, and I've deliberately not said persistence in prayer because this woman was not praying. (laughs) Yeah? She was not praying. She was begging, please help me. Please help me. There is this persistence in asking. And in fact, being a nuisance before the throne. And many times in my prayer life, I've said, Lord, I'm here again. I'm here again. And I will keep on asking. I will keep on begging. Will you this, this, and that? Look, there are illegal prayers. There's some things we should never pray for, but we do. And I believe Jesus says, look, you know, you're out of line there, but this is what I want for you. Yeah? I've put there, it's too small a matter or I don't matter. And I really sense this was for somebody today. You know, sometimes even here at church, we pray for those big things, Syria, war, famine. And then we say, you know, anyone like prayer, would you like to come forward? And you think, oh, my finger's hurting, but, you know, it's not really as important as people dying en masse in another land. But you know whether there's a lie from the, it's, it's a lie from hell. You matter to Jesus. Your issue matters to him. Every hair on your head, he knows you matter. You matter to Jesus. And I believe this is very important. We are sometimes fooled into believing we do not matter. Our issue does not matter. But it matters. It matters. Jesus or God knew you before time began. He has your hand on your life. He knows you. He loves you. You matter to him. Don't allow the enemy 
to say differently. Just say, no, no. I matter to Jesus and he matters to me. The other thing was, we often take things for granted. And I know I do. As a church, as believers, and I'm not saying this church, okay, I'm talking about the believers, the body of Christ, especially in the West. I think we take things for granted. We take for granted our salvation, our eternal life, our hope, and the peace we have because Jesus paid the price. We take it for granted. We take for granted the fact that we can actually commune with the Lord of hosts, with the creator of all that we see and don't see. And I think this week there was this sort of news that you know, all these planets um, have been found, all these galaxies and you know, way beyond, and it would take three billion years to get there or something. He's there. It's his creation. Yeah, I bet God's not surprised at that discovery. You know, maybe there's a reason he kept that secret for a while. <laughs> what I'm saying is we have that permission to enter the very throne of God and to commune with our Savior Nigel read that scripture from Revelation. We have authority in Christ Jesus. We have authority in Christ Jesus. We have the mind of Christ. And I've had to walk this one this week in a big way. Just it seemed like all of hell had opened up and decided to take a pot shot at me. And it was coming here in my brain you're rubbish, you're, you're, you're worthless, um, you know, you're being gunned at, it, it's, you, you have no worth, you have no value, um, you know, all the stuff you've been doing for the last 15 years doesn't matter. And I had to sit down and I wrote down on a piece of paper what was being said about me and actually what God says about me, Yeah? And who I know I am in Christ Jesus. And then I stood up with my bit of paper and I said, I took authority and I said, in the name of Jesus. You do not have permission to tell me who I am. That every power and principality that is coming against me to destroy, to crush me, it will not happen because I am a child of God. Now, I've had to do this this week. Equally, I had to take authority over my old nature that would fight, be an absolute horrible person, tear down others, that I would attack as the best form of defense, and I had to get on my knees and say, Lord Jesus, as I walk through these next few days, 
I just throw myself into the righteousness of Christ Jesus. That every conflict, I come out knowing, Lord, that I have not brought you into disrepute. This is not my nature. (laughs) Okay? I'm normally in there, boots and all. And boy, you're going to pick a fight with me. I'm coming at you. And the Holy Spirit has had to walk me through. Yes, the big supernatural stuff, taking authority, using that authority in the name and blood of Jesus. But also he had to come into me and say, my child, this is who I say you are. This is who heaven sees you as. Let's do this together. And it's been a tough week. A tough week. But through the grace of God, somehow, miraculously, I've not dishonored the Lord and tried to be righteous and gracious in all my dealings this week. Because the Lord showed me, I'm dealing with this, don't worry. I've got this. I'm dealing with it. You're going to come out unscathed. There's a plan and a purpose. Heaven knows who you are. doesn't matter what these people say. Heaven knows who you are. I know you. You are a child of God. Oh, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, our helper and our teacher. And I tell you what, oh, this week I've almost felt his hand holding mine, <laughs> saying, come on, girl, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, dragging me along, saying, come on. Um, he has brought revelation. He has brought healing. He has brought a peace that I have not had in years. Yeah, we have this. Oh, we have all this package revelation, healing, miracles, joy. We have an identity in Christ Jesus. We have courage. We have a sound mind. These are all the things that heaven gives us. And how often do we actually say yes, yes, and amen. There are brothers and sisters in Christ where a lot of this stuff has been taken away, freedom to worship. We have so much, so much gifts and talents. We have visions, we have dreams. And Jesus is saying, I want you to grow. I want you to take hold of all that I have given you. Heaven says, my son paid the price. And as in our story, Jesus says, later on, he says, you know what? To Israel, the Hebrews, you walked away. But in Tyre and Sidon, they didn't. They saw the glory of the Lord. They saw And they accepted and they received Jesus. Ah, being able to see people as Jesus saw them and to share what we have been given. 
this is the message that was laid on my heart for me as a reminder that we don't have to sit on the floor with the crumbs like the lady, the Syrophoenician. We have this. We have that full loaf. But we have it so that we can look at people without prejudice, those messy people, without prejudice. But Jesus gives us the sight to look into the soul of that human being, knowing that they are hungry for truth, knowing that they are thirsty for living water. We now have that loaf, Jesus, the bread of life. And he's saying, freely I give, freely receive. But it is for us now to look at humankind around us, wherever we are, and say, would you like, not the crumbs, not a slice, would you like a loaf of bread? Because Jesus has come for all. Jesus has come for all. That woman, she took the crumbs. Her daughter was delivered and healed. How much more then will our heavenly father who knows and loves us give to us who believe in Christ Jesus our King? You don't have to accept the crumbs anymore. Jesus says, come to my table. It is prepared. You have the full loaf. Be delivered, be set free. In his name. Amen. Let's just respond and just put your hands out in front of you and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. That with you, I have the full loaf. All you are. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for the possibilities. Thank you for the hope that you give me. Lord, I confess that I've been looking for crumbs and not celebrating the full loaf that I have in you. Lord, help me to know you. Thank you. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Help me to know you and appreciate your goodness and give me new confidence to share you with others. We're not trying to uh, sell them some cod liver oil. We're opening up the way to a loaf of eternal life and goodness that comes from you. Lord, touch our hearts today, change our perspectives, and keep us more in tune with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bev. If you like some prayer as we close, then do come forward and receive prayer so we can minister into your life more fully. Do stay for tea and uh, coffee and fellowship. And every Sunday, we, one of the things we do is we provide a free workout at absolutely no cost. There is a free workout today. You can use all the muscles in your body by de-rigging this equipment and carrying it into the shed outside absolutely free 
if you're in the West Wickham or SE26 house groups, you're kind of on duty today. But uh, if you need to strengthen some of those muscles, I'm sure they'd appreciate some more help. So in 20 minutes' time, let's, let's do that. So come forward for prayer. Share friendship and fellowship with one another. Ask Jenny where, she, where you can join a house group and uh, how much to eat next Saturday at the women's breakfast. And let's share some fellowship together. Thank you.